Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Hey, Connor, huge week huge in, in legal, legal news. Yeah. Britney Spears, free at last, mm. free at last. Thank God Almighty, she's free of that conservatorship. Yes. So we're going to talk Britney, of course. Kyle uh, Rittenhouse, is he soon to be free? Yeah. As we ah, speak. High profile trials right now. Yeah, we're talking on the weekend here, and uh, the final arguments in uh, Rittenhouse are set for tomorrow, Monday. Mm-hmm. So we could get a verdict in the next couple of days. By the time this drops on Wednesday, we could already might have know. a Unlikely, verdict. Unlikely, but you might. We might have a special edition of yeah. Too Many Lawyers. Emergency pod. Talk about the, uh, about the verdict. And we're going to talk about the disaster at Astro World, the rapper who's uh, being. Uh, some people are saying he's responsible for the the tragic situation where the crowd gets out of hand. Next thing you know, nine I guess nine people died and dozens injured, sent to the hospital. Uh, we're going to talk about all those big issues. And in our special guest, the verdict feature, the uh, America's favorite game show, Connor will guess a verdict. Um, I'm going to give you a little hint. It has to do with the world's worst yogurt, Connor. The world's worst yogurt. That's okay. the subject matter. I think Gogurt is automatically uh, a front runner, but not necessarily. So Gogurt is a particular brand of yogurt that comes you're, you're a, not fond of? It comes in a tube, really? and then you slide it up like, like a toothpaste tube, and the yogurt just squirts into your mouth. And that it's sounds like wrong. Gogurt. It's mobile yogurt. It's horrifying. Yeah. Sure, it's great yogurt. A lot of fruit flavors. Hey, yogurt, gogurt, you want to sponsor us? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the, I, let's <laughs> not say, anymore. Let's say your pitch is off to a poor start. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, for the advertising. <laughs> Before we get to the the three big stories and the world's worst yogurt, though, um, we like to keep things on a high plane here. On classy, uh, yeah, it's a classy. Stay, pod. stay yeah. classy. Uh, too many Everyone, lawyers. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a, a pretty important story, namely okay. Joe Biden's flatulence problem. Oh, my God. So uh, according to Camilla Bar- Parker Bowles, who is the, I guess she's officially the Duchess of Cornwall. She's the wife of Prince Charles, right? After the whole tragic thing with uh, Diana. Sure. Yeah. So Camilla Parker Bowles uh, is meeting with President Biden recently at the big uh, climate change summit there in Scotland. Fun. And apparently... The uh, our president let out a long, loud fart while mm-hmm, speaking mm-hmm. with Camilla, and according to witnesses, she hasn't stopped talking about sure the seventy-eight-year-old's quote long fart, as she as she puts it. Yeah, as I said, I warned you that we we keep keep this on the things classy on over here. Yeah, plain. So the pair were making small talk at the global uh, climate change gathering in Scotland when the president broke wind, according to an informed source. Look, I think this was an intentional choice uh, by Joe Biden to highlight the importance of the role of methane in global warming. (laughs) I love it. These people, you Biden apologists, you will stoop to nothing. Insulated lives. Stop at nothing. We feel we feel protected from the effects of climate change. So there's really nothing that that Joe Biden can get it, you know, do to get it through these rich people's heads other than just hot po- hot box the summit itself. <laughs> so, according to this source that talked to the to the London Daily Mail, he said it was long and loud and impossible to ignore and Camilla hasn't stopped talking about it. 
So that's what that's what's on the radar there in England, I guess. There's no more important topic that people wanted to discuss over there. Uh, Parker Bowles has been married to Prince Charles since 2005. She was uh, apparently taken aback by the flatulence. <laughs> in addition, hours earlier, Biden appeared to nod off during opening marks at the climate change conference. I don't know if you saw that. I would have also. Would you? <laughs> Once again, Hunter, I mean, if this were Donald Trump, would you be saying the same thing about him? No. Hell no. Look, I didn't want to elect Joe Biden. I didn't want to elect the sleepy Joe, the guy who, you know, takes naps and farts. He's not only sleepy, he's stinky. But like, that's what you get when all your elected officials are 78 years old. Although I will say Bernie Sanders is certainly not nodding off or letting anyone else nod off. And if we'd elected him, we'd certainly have a little more electrifying climate change conference. He would have locked the doors and forced everybody to experience rising uh, tides from, you know, increased sea level. No food except for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yeah, exactly. So do you think we ought to have like a... 70 year or 70 year limit no presidents uh, may be elected yeah, so over 70 and an age maximum makes just as much sense to me uh, as an age minimum for uh, an elected official um absolutely and if anything it makes more sense because although yeah your brain is developing when you're young uh your brain is also degenerating as you get older all of us uh, our brains are starting at you know a relatively early rage even though we feel totally fine and einstein was you know producing brilliant genius level content and you know into his 60s 70s whatever he was but not everybody is like that and therefore we have to work with averages right the danger of having somebody might who might have the nuclear button have a a, a disease rotted or age rotted brain is so high that we might only want people of a certain tight small age range of 20 30 40 50 years or whatever in the center of their prime to be the ones with the finger on the nuclear button and the geniuses at the at the helm deciding our you know our whole uh the strategy of our entire lives so in that way, it, it makes just as much sense to say, look, somebody should be 35 to be president as it, as it so is do to you say think nobody should be we older We should lower the 80. 35 number? Oh, I don't think we should lower the 35 number. I, I, I think it's let's a totally set, reasonable. Set aside the, the 70, 65. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just look at the other end, yeah, which sure. you, you mentioned. Do you think it would make sense to say, hey, a president could be 25 or 30? I mean, I personally... Haven't done any research on like the the decision making potential or, or capacity of twenty five year olds compared to thirty five year olds, but I think generally thirty five year olds are more stable people than twenty five year olds. I know I'm a certainly a more stable person now than I was at twenty five, even just having you know passed that by a couple of years. Okay, it was several years. It was many years. I'm a lot closer to thirty five than I'm twenty five. But not the point. Like I know that I am a smarter person and 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 would be a better president. Not that I'd ever be a good president at all. Now uh, than I. Was it 25? Well, I, and that's I why it's so difficult to set that number. Like the voting age is very different than the age to be president. See, I would have agreed with you until until Greta came along. Oh, yeah. When Greta Sundberg came along and had the wisdom at, at just 13, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a young gal who had taken home ec classes and uh, some some English classes, sure. she concluded sure. what's best for climate change. Sure. And so you know, why not she is going to have to live who with cares the if she's an alien, <laughs> an illegal alien. Uh, uh, she, she's going to have to live with the effects of climate change for longer uh, and more severe effects than you or I since she's younger. So I think she's maybe the authority. I'm not saying. if she starts smoking, then, then <laughs> things could turn out differently. True. All right. So uh, let us deal with our first big subject, Britney Spears free at last. So I yeah. was at the uh, hearing at the Los Angeles Superior Court uh, on on Friday, two days ago, 
And uh, it was about as exciting as it was in late September, yeah. although Britney did not appear. They Aww. blocked off the street. They had uh, dancing. They had singing and speechifying. They had a, a riser, a stage, and so on. And early on in the proceeding, it started at 1.30 Pacific time, uh, the judge m- made it pretty clear that she was going to be getting rid of the conservatorship. So what it means is freedom for Britney Spears. She can now get married or not, have birth control or not, uh, take medication that, that she thinks is appropriate. Make business decisions, business, all exactly. this stuff. There's Go both the Starbucks. conservator of the body and there's the conservator who makes financial or business decisions for her. And both of those things uh, are going to be you know, lifted. Is it of concern, though, that there was such an outcry, such a an outpouring of support by Britney's fans for her freedom? Yeah. And, and is it of concern when these people who, let's not be harsh, but they have no idea. They have no, no they're clue. just fans. They're yeah. just fans. And yet it's all free Britney, free Britney. Right. The judge can literally hear the chanting and the singing mm-hmm. song outside yeah, yeah, the yeah. window because I've yeah. been in that Superior yeah. Court building many times. Right. It's, you know, it's not that secure. You yeah. can hear what's going on in the street. Yeah. Is it is it of concern at all that maybe a judge might be influenced by you know, thousands of people wearing pink I dancing mean, in, on Grand Avenue? There's an element that that they might be influenced by that. And it's undeniable that that a normal person uh, can't block that out. And I don't think judges are superhuman. I don't think that they're abnormal. I don't think that they're anything other than generally, but not always, smart people overall. That that is a risk, that we should consider it, it should factor into our decision-making when we make policy-level decisions. But on an individual case-level decision, as you have successfully argued in front of Judge Ito in the, the OJ trial, look, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Ca- disinfectant. There should be cameras in the courtroom. And mm-hmm. Ito said, yeah, I agree. They, it, it's a good thing that America sees high-profile legal cases. It's a good thing that they speak their mind about it, that it's in the news, that people know about things like conservatorships and how they might affect somebody, that people know about our criminal justice system or criminal legal system and how it works. So I am you know, in agreement with you that I think sunlight is a good disinfectant, maybe not the best, but a good one. And it is an important part of the process. Does that come with it an inevitable and unavoidable possibility of the decision makers like jurors or judges being swayed by the possibility of public opinion? Yeah, it does. And that's tough. But most of the time, aren't jurors more swayed by the public's, you know, public opinion on things? in the right direction? Don't we actually want jurors to think about the idea that, oh, you know, other people will know the outcome of this case and they will be happy or unhappy about it? I think generally... I disagree because I I think that the really important task of a juror is to do the right thing based on the facts on the law in their particular case. And if they're thinking of themselves as centurions, as, as fighters for a, a social cause. And if they're thinking, I'm going to hand down a really big extreme verdict because I want to send a message to, you know, Biloxi, Mississippi and, and Chicago, Illinois, then that's going to be maybe at the expense of the absolute correct decision in their particular case. You know, you're right. And that brings up a, a, a good point that we should think about. Um, and this, you know, will, will, will bridge us maybe into the Rittenhouse case. Um, a professor of mine, uh, Jody Armour, um, at uh, USC Law School, who's a very prolific writer and public figure and legal commentator, just like you are, um, he recently uh, continued, was, took part in a Twitter conversation this last week about how 
uh, a lot of people are saying things like the Rittenhouse case is a kind of a referendum on vigilantism and Armour's uh, correct legal position, and a lot of people would say correct moral position, um, most people would say a correct moral position, is that that can't be a factor. That these jurors are unavoidably going to be swayed uh, to some degree by the concept of, oh, what about other people who might do or want to do what Rittenhouse did, as opposed to thinking about individually, did Kyle Rittenhouse have the required mens rea, which is Latin for guilty mind, required to convict him of this crime in front of us? That is the only thing that matters or should matter to a criminal jury is whether the correct morally culpable mental status is, was present in the mind of that person who's on trial. That is why the finders of fact are there to find it. If we instead want a referendum on vigilantism, then give us a referendum, put it on the ballot and have voters vote or have the Senate pass a law about vigilantism or this California representatives uh, in the, the, the state house in, in Sacramento pass some law that changes the law. But to ha that's that's where you make big, broad policy changes. Jurors are not there for that. But it's a constant battle. You're well, right. In Brittany, in Kyle Rittenhouse, in Ahmaud Arbery's case, in lots of other sorry, Ahmaud Arbery's the victim in that case. In all these cases, we are constantly thinking about them as referendums on big social policy issues. Yeah, but the problem is passion gets injected yep. and passion it carries some dangers oh yeah and the reason i was thinking about passion is not only might jurors get passionate about we want to send a message but you see passion on the part of britney spears you know she won this case in november and that's when the conservatorship ended i would argue she really won it in june because in june she shows up in court virtually by right. phone or zoom or yeah. whatever and she was gave that so emotional. Yeah. She gave a long 40-minute talk about how my life has been ruined because of this guy, my yeah. father, the conservator. Uh, you know, they're forcing me to take all these horrible drugs, lithium and so on. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she said that, you know, this he ought to go to jail. He deserves to go to jail for yeah. what he's done to me. It was really angry and emotional. I mean, in my she, mind, yeah, drifted back to Clarence Thomas in the early '90s when he was mm. trying to become Supreme Court justice, yep. and Clarence Anita Hill was saying, "Well, he harassed me," and so on. He came on a gangbusters with emotion and yeah. passion, and he said, a "This is a high." Tech lynching, yeah, right, exactly. Great so, line, absolutely. Yeah. Nowadays, of course, you can get on the Supreme Court just by getting up and screaming, "I love beer," which it is a it lower bar, really worked. not as erudite and and accomplished as <laughs> Clarence Thomas's passionate speech. This guy's just shouting about how he likes alcohol. Great job, fantastic. Now he's on the Supreme Court, but you know, it's the that's <laughs> the, it's the process. Apparently, how conservatives get on the Supreme Court. Well, time, Didn't see RBG screaming about how she liked beer trying to get on the court, but uh, you know, whatever. So one thing that is going to continue on, regardless of the fact that the conservatorship is being wrapped up, they still have a few loose ends to, to tie up in terms of her finances, but basically it's over. But in the future, I think her new pit bull gladiator lawyer, uh, Brittany's lawyer, is going to be going after the dad, right. suing him for malfeasance. You know, you got 16 grand a month for about 13 years. It totals to about $2.5 million. Not bad. Plus a cut. I think he had like a 1.5% of her gross oh my dancing God. receipts or something. Just the idea that somebody who just makes the decision about what's best for her would also get a cut when she performs. That's just insanely bad. Yeah, I, so I really dangerous. don't get it. So they're going after him for that. Plus, apparently, he put listening devices in her bedroom, may have wiretapped her, her phone and so on. And depending on what kind of state law it is, in California, 
Uh, if you uh, record somebody's conversation when they had a reasonable expectation of privacy, uh, you're guilty of a misdemeanor. And yeah. so the dad possibly is guilty of a crime. California is called a two-party consent state. You need the party of both, I mean, the consent of both parties to a conversation to record it. Whereas in New York, it's a one-party deal. You can actually get away with the recording because you consented as yes, the taper. Absolutely. Seems kind now, of Now, that's silly. very different than, you know, a bug in somebody's bedroom where they're not having a conversation with you and they have, a, you know, an expectation, that, oh, maybe he's recording recording it like in, in New York, even in New York, obviously bugging somebody's uh, bedroom is illegal, regardless of how many parties have to consent in that state. That's, That's right. just straight up not going to work. You have to be you have to get a criminal warrant to be a cop to do wiretapping. That's the rules. <laughs> when we come back, we will get into the Kyle Rittenhouse case. But first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you use. Uh, that's probably numerically Apple Podcasts uh, and uh, the podcast app on Apple. You click the join button to subscribe to us. I know that's confusing. Join and subscribe. Join sounds like you have to pay something. You don't. Uh, we just uh, will push it to your, your phone every single week. So you get us on time updated as quickly as it drops. The moment it drops, probably uh, Wednesday every week. I think we've done Wednesday every week for like more than a year, like 18 months straight. So I, I don't think Episode we Episode 95. So wow. yeah, you do the math. We are, yeah, we are on a roll, I'd say. And so, yeah, by subscribing and joining, uh, you get access to it as soon as it drops, pushed straight to your phone. And, you know, leave us a comment. Leave us a rating. We like the ratings. I read the comments. It makes me feel good that somebody's actually listening. I appreciate it. We'll be right back on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, he's 18 now, but he was 17 when he shot and killed two guys in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, he also injured a person. He is now on trial for the, the two deaths and the injury. Uh, what happened was there were some uh, disturbances, riots, protests in Kenosha. He didn't even live there. He lives uh, 20 miles away in some other Wisconsin town. He gets himself a military-style semi-automatic rifle. Yeah. And he shows up in Kenosha. And he's wandering around the streets. And everybody's cell phone videoing everything. And so there's a lot of cell phone video in this trial. But... Uh, what has gone from a case that sounded really, really bad for him. I mean, here he's going, showing up like a subway vigilante like Bernard gets and, and shooting and killing two people to a situation where between video showing that he may have been acting in self-defense, at least in, in uh, some of the instances there, his encounters, and the fact that he decided to testify. A lot of people thought he wouldn't do it because in a high-profile case, often the defendant takes the fifth. They, it works out for them, you know, whether it's O.J. Simpson or, or, or less famous folks. You just don't have to testify, and it's very risky. But he testified, and he got so emotional, and he sobbed so much, he literally couldn't get a word out. And so the judge said, okay, let's take a 10-minute break. And a lot of people are speculating that that may have had an emotional impact on the jury. The closing arguments are, are this Monday, as I mentioned. So we, we could see a verdict uh, pretty shortly. I guess this is another case, Connor, where the whole world's watching. The community of Kenosha is watching. And, of course, what happened, this whole thing got started because there was a, a protest over a cop shooting uh, a black man in Kenosha in August 2020. The, it took a few months, but the prosecutor there decided, no, we're not, gonna, we're not going to prosecute the cop for doing this. Right. And so then the charges proceeded against uh, Rittenhouse. Yeah. How do you how do you get a fair trial really when you're right there on the scene and you know the community 
uh, has been very volatile in, in its reaction to these instances. How do you get a, a fair verdict uh, under all those circumstances? I mean, you're right that high profile cases, as you point out, ha- carry the risk of a jury pool being swayed by outside forces. But our system is set up to constantly instruct and remind these jurors of what their actual job is. And if you don't think that works and the jury system is silly and produces bad results, well, surprise, I'm, I might be with you on that, uh, that our criminal legal system, unfortunately, produces uh, very often bad, biased results. Uh, but overall, the general concept uh, in my mind is is that the 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 degree to which the public is involved in these high profile cases can push us in the right direction that if we think that the 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 coverage of our uh, uh, of these cases is fair impartial and even handed if we think that the the public discussion of these cases can be uh, in some way moderated and made sure to you know be free of of active disinformation or accidental misinformation uh, then we can think that the political uh, climate around uh, these high-profile cases might result in a better uh, result because the jurors know the world is watching. Now, if your assumptions on those topics go the other way, if you think that most coverage of high-profile cases is biased misinformation or active disinformation, that people can't be trusted to have uh, coherent and logical uh, perspectives where they take, uh, you know, listen to both sides before coming to a conclusion, um, then you may well believe that uh, the media circus uh, surrounding high profile legal cases uh, results in unfair uh, verdicts, outcomes and, and punishments. And, you know, reasonable people can differ on these things. Reasonable people can come down, but we have to know where those reasonable people's positions are coming from. They're coming from those base assumptions that the idea that the coverage will be bad or biased and that people can't separate that and and will be swayed by that. And I think that's a reasonable position to take. Now, I think it changes from a case by case basis, as a lot of people do. I think that, you know, Britney Spears, while she has a lot of fanatic fans, uh, she probably uh, can get a fair outcome uh, because there's, you know, a lot less passion uh, there among the general population, even though the subset is extremely passionate. Mm -hmm. Whereas on something like racial justice, I think so many people in our country are misinformed or disinformed about the status of racial justice and the march toward, you know, social justice and actual freedom and equality in our countries. People, it's such a politicized and charged environment that I think the coverage is inherently horrifically biased. And uh, it's it's not just like people thinking, oh, it's sort of a curiosity uh, of Britney Spears and whether she's a weird legal situation. Let me have an expert like Royal Oaks get on uh, NBC and explain to me, you know, how conservatorships work and I'll ap- approach it with an open mind and think, hey, that's kind of weird. Or, oh, maybe people do need uh, some help with their life decisions when they're having a mental breakdown. On the other hand, you've got completely starkly divided people on issues like racial justice. And you've got platforms like, you know, Fox News and whatever, feeding people what I believe is disinformation, actively decide to mislead the public. And I'm sure you've got bad sources on the other side as well. Obviously, I just think there are way more bad sources on the conservative side approaching the the argument in bad faith and abusing these topics. Uh, But so you're saying they're good and bad people on both sides. It's a dangerous statement, isn't it? But I mean, this is this is the problem is you got to know what those base assumptions are to decide whether you can have a fair trial in this sort of situation. So, Do I think that that uh, uh, that Kyle Rittenhouse is in danger of getting an unfair trial uh, that might unfairly, you know, come out against him? No. 
Definitely not. He's a white man in America. His judge is a white man. His judge keeps stepping in and stopping the testimony if things get too hot and heavy for Kyle. His judge has Lee Greenwood's uh, proud to be American on his ringtone going off in the middle of the courtroom. The judge is screaming. It's a, it's a toe tapper. Screaming at the prosecutor uh, in court, uh, you know, ca- castigating him for you know allegedly uh, doing something wrong. This judge is clearly very passionate about this case, and this—I mean, the judge is the judge is up there saying, "Oh, you can't zoom in on the CCTV photo of, of, of footage because I haven't seen an expert that tells me that zooming in on a photo doesn't somehow change the number of pixels in the photo." So, no, 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 prosecutor, you can't zoom in on Kyle Rittenhouse's face as he's shooting people. I mean, come on, I'm not afraid of a uh, a, a white uh, man in America getting an unfair trial. That's not my concern. And so, yeah, I, I think that this is a media circus. Uh, but to the extent that it's a media circus, I think it's, uh, that circus is only going to serve to uh, get Kyle Rittenhouse off when maybe he should, should have been convicted. When we come back, we're going to talk about what it is the, uh, the judge went ballistic over. Why did he scream at the prosecutors in front of the jury? Yeah, stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conrad. Talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse murder trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And, uh, Connor, you were just mentioning that this is a quite a week, a very contentious uh, between yeah. the judge and the prosecutor. So, <clears throat> according to the judge, the prosecutors uh, screwed up massively in two ways. Number one, early on in the trial, there was a question about whether there could be any comment by the prosecutor about the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse took the fifth. Mm -hmm. And at least for a time, he decided he was not going to testify. And the rule is that not only are you entitled to take the fifth, but a prosecutor is not entitled to kind of hit you over the head with it in front of the jury and say, well, ladies and gentlemen, the jury, you know, he says he's exercising his constitutional right. We know why he's being quiet because he's guilty and he can't explain what he did. Right. You're not supposed to do that. Right. The judge made that clear. Then the prosecutor made some comments that didn't blatantly violate this, but sort of were dancing Hinted around at. it. And the judge went nuts. He really was very angry. And he judges considered it hate. an intentional violation. Yeah, and judges hate when they've previously made an order and then you try to dance around it. I mean, they just yeah. go ballistic yeah, because, you can't blame of course, them. you can't blame them. I made an order and it should have been clear. And, you know, to be fair, uh, I was just saying, you know, is Kyle Rittenhouse going to get an unfair trial? I don't think so before the break. But at the same time, the Fifth Amendment right to not have to self-incriminate and not testify against yourself, not make statements after you're accused of crimes, I think is a very, very important right, especially given how policing works in this country and has for the last, you know, since its founding, that cops are there to find the, you know, find ways to convict you. Uh, so talking to them is a very bad idea. So I think it is very uh, important to protect that right. And I do think that the prosecutor probably uh, was wrong in, in, in these comments. I think that's pretty clear. And there was a second thing that the prosecutor did wrong in the view of the judge. Uh, there was a question about some somebody th- having said that maybe Rittenhouse commented, even before we got to Kenosha, yeah, I'm going to uh, hope I'll be able to shoot some looters. Yeah, there was a, a video of him saying that after watching people shoplift from a CVS at a previous different uh, right. uh, time, different day previously. So the question arose in the trial, again, at the start of the trial, when the lawyers and the judge are talking over what's going to get in, what's going to stay out in terms of evidence and exclusion and 
and so on, admissibility. And the determination was made by the judge, no, uh, you, the prosecutors, are not going to be entitled to get into this right. controversial comment about uh, shooting looters. This concept is called propensity evidence. Uh, the question is, uh, can you get this piece of evidence in because it goes to the criminal defendant's propensity, likelihood of, habit of committing that kind of crime or wanting to commit that kind of crime in the past? And the judge said that's propensity evidence. It's character evidence. The defense has not opened the door to that by trying to put on their own defense of it yet. And they control that. They decide whether they put their own uh, defendant's character on trial. You can't put somebody's character on trial until they try to defend themselves by saying, I'm a good guy and I wouldn't have done this, the thing that of which I'm accused. Then you can attack them for that, yeah. but not unless they open the door. And so, in the, on this issue, I think the judge was dead wrong. I think this is while, yes, prejudicial, it would prejudice the jury to hear him say the words, I'm going to shoot me some looters or whatever it was he was going to say. I think that's massively important and consequential and very yeah, probative. That's a different issue from whether the prosecution messed up by violating his Yes. What you consider to yes. be a bad order. Once he has made the order, right. then the issue is, did the, the prosecution try to sneakily talk about it afterwards? Which <laughs> So is that's why he got doubly mad yes. at them. Yes. And it's weird because, you know, you try not to uh, argue in front of the kids. Uh, right. The jurors, the kids, you, yeah. you try not to have an argument between the judge and the, the lawyers in front of the jurors. That's the kind of thing that should happen when the in jurors. In chambers. Yeah. In chambers, the jurors are taken out. Yeah. Because if the jurors get the feeling that the judge is leaning toward one side or another, a lot of times they're just yeah. going to follow his lead. I mean, the judge is like the word of God. That's why reading Father jury figure. instructions are so important right. uh, because the judge actually reads the jury the instructions and says, this is the law. So in a lot of cases, civil cases especially, the the case can be won and lost in deciding which jury instructions end up getting read by the judge to the jury because then the judge is saying, you know, from on high, up here literally on high on the bench, this is the law. And if you, as, the, uh, as, as a lawyer, get to say, basically, look, ladies and gentlemen, just listen to the judge. That's a very powerful decision. I mean, a very powerful position uh, to be able to take. So bottom line is uh, the jury could uh, find him guilty of a homicide crime 60 years in prison. Now, he was 17 at the time. He looks about 15. Yeah. His face hasn't cleared up yet. Yeah. And with the sobbing on the stand, I yeah. got to think that he's kind of taken the 60 years out of the equation. I, I would be mm. very surprised if a jury got him on that. Now, mm. uh, nine months in, in jail for possession of a dangerous weapon, that's the other end of the extreme, if you're of the spectrum, if you're going to convict him of anything. But there's also um, a recklessly endangering life that would be 12 and a half years. Uh, so who knows? Maybe the, the, the jury will go for sort of a compromise. Who knows if the judge will toss part of this out? Yeah. Uh, that's a possibility as well. Here, last topic has to do with the Astro World. Travis uh, Scott, the yeah. rapper who had a, a, a show at a concert called Astro World, um, in which he had thousands and thousands of people crowding a, I think it was a parking lot uh, before uh, the, the concert was set up there. Um, and there's a lot of controversy about it because, of course, uh, this, uh, this this concert venue was extremely packed, extremely full of people. And uh, as a result of how packed in and full of people it was, uh, they uh, there were uh, a, a lot of people who got injured and s many people died. I believe the number is nine, but maybe it's eight. Nine, yeah. um, people die and, and people get trampled. You know, people people go into cardiac arrest uh, from the, the physical stress of being crushed by a, a mass of people or stepped on when they fall in a mass of people and they that you're so squeezed together between multiple people in a crowd you that some people can't draw breath i mean this is a, a horrifying tra tragic scenario and uh, people the uh, part 
of the controversies, not just, well, did Travis Scott rile the crowd up or not calm down the crowd and, uh, when, when a crisis happened, but how did security respond when this started to happen? Were they monitoring the crowd to make sure that it, things were going uh, well and safely? Uh, did they have adequate lights? Did they have adequate you know, people on site uh, in vantage points that would allow them to see if the crowd turned ugly and dangerous? I mean, people get trampled at you know, somber religious festivals all the time, all over the world, just because you've got a lot of people packed in. This is a concert at night, screaming, right. incredibly loud music, drowning out people's calls for help. It's a dangerous environment, and therefore you should have to take extreme steps to make sure that people are protected. In this case, there's a contract that has surfaced showing I don't know how much insurance was actually uh, bought to protect to, uh, against bodily injury claims that might arise at Astroworld. But the contract between the Live Nation subcontractor and the promoter, which is called Scoremore, mm-hmm. said you needed a minimum of $1 million. There are nine dead people and scores of injured. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no way that a million dollars is ever going to get anywhere near Well, covering. if that was just a minimum, maybe they have more than a million. Maybe they have more yeah. than that. But can you? what if they only have a million? What if that is actually the amount of insurance they're covering here? Well, Live Nation may have billions in their net well, worth. They may be able to pay maybe. losses that aren't covered by insurance. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're, they're self-insured in this way. Maybe their subcontractor is undercapitalized and is not self-insured at all. And just like, you know, Johnson & Johnson spins off its asbestos uh, talcum uh, group and then sticks that in bankruptcy and says, well, throws their hand up and goes, oh, well, that subgroup we just spun off has all the legal liability, so you can't come after Johnson & Johnson generally. I mean, generally, the legal system is set up to allow massive corporations and rich people to screw over poor people so, and victims. So That's you, just the system. So you started out talking about the theories about terrible tragedy but yeah. who's going to be responsible legally. Yeah. Now, you were alluding to this idea of negligence. I mean, if you're in right. charge of the concert, if you're the organizers or promoter, or the, yeah. the actual venue, you got have a duty to audience members to exercise reasonable yep. care to protect them. And if you know about a danger or should have known about it, then just you're going like, to be liable. Just like if you're at a Siegfried and Roy show and there's tigers on stage, the Las Vegas hotel and casino mm-hmm. that runs this show and Siegfried themselves have got to have insurance or be self-insured and got to take adequate precautions. Because if there's a tiger and they get out of the crowd and they're eating people, somebody's butt is going to get sued in court. And this is the same thing. Crowds of people are might as well be tigers. But what about the performer's liability? I mean, when I hear about a performer, I'm thinking it's not exactly his job uh, to be able to be an expert about whether, uh oh, it's time to, you know, drop the mic and, and cut the sound system and tell everybody to quietly leave. But here's an interesting couple of factoids in a lawsuit already filed against this rapper. Uh, The lawsuit notes that he has a history of trouble here. First, in 2015, he was arrested where he told the crowd to ignore security and urge audience members to rush the stage. In 2017, he was arrested on suspicion of inciting a riot in Arkansas. Uh, Here, after seeing the ambulance come onto the scene, he allegedly urged fans to make the ground shake. So he's offered apparently to pay some mental health and funeral expenses, but you know this is not exactly an admission of, of liability. Right. I I wonder if just because some allegations, I don't know if he was ever convicted of anything, just because he was out, uh, alleged in the past of going overboard. Do you really think that uh, lawsuits would be able to nail the performer as the guy responsible for these tragic deaths? I would say that public opinion would say they they are. 
the one who's on the hook. I mean, the people are here to see this show. Nobody has a, a, bet, a stronger influence over the crowd than the performer. And the, the last couple of weeks uh, uh, since Astral World happened, um, the Internet has been inundated with videos of every kind of artist and performer from rap to country to electronica to everything else to rock shows you know intense with with mosh pits videos of performers going whoa 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 i can see things are getting out of hand here slow down stop the music turn on the lights pick that person up you know there's a great uh, clip of a of a a lincoln park show where chester who unfortunately uh, is passed now but the lead singer lincoln park it, it goes viral it gets millions and millions of views because he's out there getting the crowd to say, turn the lights on, turn the music off and say, pick that guy up. Who, what are we here for? And the first thing, the only thing that matters is pr- protecting people's safety. Who, who cares about the music? Who cares about anything except protecting you people out there? Crowds are dangerous. If somebody falls down, what do we do? We pick them up. And I mean, that has captured the public consciousness. Millions, hundreds of millions of views of artists across every spectrum taking care to I protect I think you've just given the final crowds. argument at the trial yeah. for, against the rapper. Exactly. And in this case, you've got Travis of Scott saying stuff like rush the stage in his past. And that is, I mean, very totally irresponsible. Yeah. Now, if you're a, 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 an artist, maybe you have been negligent in some way if you end up in a concert where due to the music volume and the lights and everything else, you can't tell that a problem is happening in the crowd and thus you can't know to stop the crowd. But maybe you have a responsibility to make sure that your show is safe because you're the one putting the show on. No, I don't know. I, I don't know where the legal liability is going to fall and where the chips are going to fall. Uh, the answer is probably going to be the arguments are going to be start being made towards the people with the deepest pockets. Whoever that is, right, they're the one who's con- on, on the hook. You've convinced me. I'm t- saying it now. If I'm on Travis's jury, I'm voting against him. So, so, so you're it, not going to be on the jury. Yeah, saying. I wonder if this podcast might be a Used basis for you. me to yeah. get kicked off of mm-hmm, the jury so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to spend four or five weeks down there. Anyway, anyway, we'll, anyway. we'll see how it works. See, if you get called for jury duty in Houston, Texas, I will be surprised for multiple reasons. Yeah, a lot of people are moving from California to Texas, Connor. You just have to recognize <laughs> so that reality. So, I hear. so we do have time for America's favorite game show now. I'm excited. Guess the verdict. Are you ready for this, Connor? So ready. Okay. So here are the facts. I'm going to ask Connor to guess how this lawsuit turned out. We'll just see how close he gets. 20-year-old New York college student, instead of tasting fruit at the bottom of her yogurt, bites down on a large black beetle. She sues, claiming the incident made her hair fall out, which caused her to develop an inferiority complex, which caused her to drop out of school and become a recluse. So... The beetle for want of a nail. Yeah, exactly. Kingdom right. was lost. We got Horace wow. and the beetle. We got all sorts of animals in God, these metaphorical stories. So, Connor, uh, you get to guess yogurt again. You get to guess the verdict. Did uh, this poor young woman win her legal uh, action? Yeah. Or? So this goes to a, a, a legal concept that people often. Uh, even a lot of lay people know and understand this concept of the eggshell skull plaintiff. The idea that if you do something negligent and the person who uh, who you are negligent towards and suffers from your negligence uh, has an eggshell thin skull. Maybe you're on the bus and you know you don't well, punch. Well, thin. This person, you don't punch somebody, but you're on the bus and you negligently elbow them because you don't really care if this person suffers some pain uh, while you get on and off the bus. You just really want to get off the bus and you're in a hurry. And that's negligent. And this person happens to have an incredibly soft eggshell skull and crack, they die. You are on the hook for all of it. 
you shouldn't have been negligent. And the fact that the reason that you are- The good news is you're still alive. Yeah, it's true. Unlike (laughs) that person you just killed. The reason that you are not negligent, and we are all not negligent out in our lives, is not just that people on the bus shouldn't have to get elbowed and be uncomfortable. It's that some people are vulnerable, and that we really have to protect the people who are the most vulnerable. So the eggshell skull plaintiff says, you're liable for all the harm. So would a normal person, average run-of-the-mill person who bites down on a bit, I mean, lots of people eat bugs, you know, but nobody expects to uh, eat a bug at the bottom of your yogurt, you expect some delicious fruit. It's very different. So (laughs) would that make my hair fall out? No. Would it make me spit it out? Yes. Would I be very unhappy? Yes. Would I maybe be traumatized? I don't know, maybe. But would it ruin my whole life? No. But that doesn't matter. What matters is, was this lady's life ruined? I think she wins. You're absolutely right. She won the lawsuit, and I can tell you it was $425,000. So that was quite yogurt's out here like lottery yogurt. Holy cow. (laughs) Exactly. All right. We hope you've enjoyed Too Many Lawyers this week. Who knows if we'll have another spate, a tsunami of high profile results. Actually, maybe we'll have Rittenhouse the verdict to uh, chew over. I wouldn't be surprised because to. Spend more than a week at that. Uh, would, I would think maybe because be the jury, yeah. they like having lunch at the county's yeah, maybe, expense. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time on Too Many Lawyers.